is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, I see President Trump endorsed the book today, Mr. Producer. We want to thank President Trump. We'd like all Republican candidates, all Republican leaders to endorse the book. I mean, after all, it's about the Democrat Party, but you know, some of them seem more like Democrats than Republicans these days, don't they? Certainly do to me. They could benefit by reading the book, I believe, so they know how to respond to questions about race and abortion, the budget, law and order, the Constitution. But uh, hope springs eternal. But I don't have a ton of hope on that. That I can tell you as well. This is important to me. I think it's important to you as well. Former Capitol Police Chief blames Pelosi for January 6th security failures. By Kerry Pickett, the great Kerry Pickett at the Washington Times. Representative Nancy Pelosi was among the key players whom former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund said was responsible for the breakdown in security that led to the riot at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. Mr. Sun testified before the House Administration Oversight Subcommittee Tuesday and told lawmakers that at the time of the attack, he learned that then-Speaker Pelosi never wanted the National Guard deployed. According to Mr. Sun, on January 3, 2021, he talked to House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving and to Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger about calling in the National Guard. He was told by Mr. Stenger that he should ask Major General William Walker, who was the commander of the D.C. National Guard, how quickly his troops could deploy to the Capitol complex if necessary. Mr. Sun said at the hearing that 
four months after the riot, Mr. Stenger told him Mrs. Pelosi, California Democrat, did not want the guard on the Capitol grounds that day. Hmm. I said, Mr. Stenger, you came up with a response fairly quickly for me to call General Walker, and he told me Paul Irving had called him ahead of time and said, son came here asking for the National Guard. We've got to come up with another plan. Pelosi will never go for it. I was floored by him saying that. According to Mr. Sund, the day when a pro-Trump mob stormed the Capitol and disrupted Congress certification of President Biden's win, he contacted Mr. Irving at 12.58 p.m. and requested they call in the National Guard. He was fully aware of just how bad it was outside, and I did not get the approval, he said. Now, Mr. Sun resigned January 16, 2021, after Mrs. Pelosi called for him to step down from his post and blamed him for not securing the Capitol. Think about that. He maintains that he called the National Guard six times for three days before the attack, but they didn't deploy. They can't deploy unless the Speaker says they should deploy. He maintains that he did so six times for three days. Republican lawmakers excoriated Ms. Pelosi and Mr. Irving for making Mr. Sunday scapegoat the day the Capitol was breached by pro-Trump protesters. Let's stop here a minute. There's a sergeant arms of the House, right, Mr. Producer? There's a sergeant arms of the Senate. Does Mitch McConnell not have any role whatsoever in whether the National Guard is accepted as President Trump offered or not? None of this was part of the January 6th Politburo hearing or investigating none of it. Pelosi gets to play Florence Nightingale. There's someone akin to that. Pointing fingers elsewhere, particularly Donald Trump. But she was in charge of security. She was offered 10,000 National Guardsmen, armed troops. She didn't want them. The mayor, Democrat of D.C., she didn't want them either. See, this gives the lie to the whole damn thing. Their January 6th committee, including the two reprobate Republicans, protected Nancy Pelosi and pretended she didn't have any role. All she had to do is say yes. And none of it would have happened. But it also gives the big lie to the fact that Donald Trump was leading an insurrection and committed sedition when he offered those troops. Right, Mike Pence? Isn't that right? Mark Short? Nikki Haley? Chris Christie? None of us in this room are saying what happened on January 6th was correct, says Representative Greg Murphy of North Carolina, but I absolutely believe the conditions for that to occur rests at the former Speaker's lap. And those two sergeant-at-arms are complicit with other individuals, said Mr. Murphy. It's one thing for something to occur, but it's another thing to create the conditions for that to occur. Of course, he's exactly right. 
But of course, Representative Norma Torres of California, the top Democrat on the panel, turned the panel's attention to former President Trump's involvement in spurring the attack. And then they go on with their talking points. But Donald Trump didn't spur the attack. He never used words that spurred the attack. There's not a scintilla of evidence in any phone calls, texts, emails that he spurred any attack. People, some of whom are making pleas and said they wouldn't have done what they did but for the fact of Trump XYZ, but that's nothing. That's not evidence of anything. Did Chuck Schumer spur the would-be assassination of Brent Kavanaugh by the things he said when he turned around and pointed to the the, uh, Supreme Court building and attacked those justices? How come he's not tied to that? And he really did. He really did threaten those justices. Donald Trump didn't threaten anybody in that building. He didn't threaten an insurrection of any kind, period. We all know it. We all saw it. We all heard it. We know all about it. It didn't happen. This is the long history of the Democrat Party. And they're never Trump or friends. But it's the long history of the Democrat Party to make up history, to rewrite history. And they've done it about January 6th. I'm not even talking about whether you like if Trump acted too soon, too slow, too what. It's not what I'm talking about. It's the insurrection day, January 6th. Does anybody remember the date the White House came under attack? And of course, the Democrats were very concerned about all the Secret Service personnel who were injured. No, they weren't, and they never said a damn thing. And Donald Trump's hustled off to the nuclear bunker under the White House. And they're trying to breach the gate. And they have to call in. Police. Federal police. They have to call in. FBI and others. For which... For which even Bill Barr at the time was excoriated. And yet they needed to do that. In order to put down the insurrection that occurred that day. Anybody know what date that was? No. Isn't that circled on our calendar anywhere? No. It was BLM and Antifa, the Democrat Party, militia wing. And that's the other thing. It's not like the Republican Party has a regular militia ready to roll at any time. But the Democrat Party does. They do. And so here we have open statement in testimony by the former U.S. Capitol Police Chief under Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell saying it was Pelosi's fault that that building was breached on January 6th. He lays it right at her feet. And so they smear him. She fires him and blames him. And that's good enough for Washington, D.C., so it must be good enough for the country. I'll be right back. (laughs) 
Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. Well, Meritless Garland was in Congress today testifying in the House Judiciary Committee. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. I speak to you as somebody who was chief of staff to a former Attorney General. My Attorney General Meese would never have done this constant rope-a-dope. It's just outrageous. The complete lack of of accountability. But let's hear some of this, and then I'll have more to say about it. Here's Jeff Van Drew, Republican, New Jersey. Was a Democrat, switched because he saw how terrible they were, and he's been very solid, to his credit. Cut one, go. You know, following your confirmation, Americans were promised they were getting a focused, nonpartisan to lead their federal law enforcement. I had my doubts back then. And the last two years have more than confirmed, in my mind, those fears. Never in my life would I have thought that I would see such a politicized DOJ. Never in my life would I have thought I would see such a Department of Justice that didn't obey their own rules. Never in my life did I think I would see the egregious investigations conducted under under your watch or the blatant disregard of the First Amendment by FBI field offices under your watch. And never in my life did I think I would see our great DOJ turn into a politicized weapon to be wielded by an investigation to attack political rivals. I still hold the thousands of hardworking staff with high regard, but unfortunately there are some within the department, in my mind, who have betrayed their oaths. And for that, you must be held accountable. I hold you accountable for the labeling of parents as domestic terrorists standing up for their proper education of their own children. I hold you accountable for the anti-Catholic memo. Imagine sending agents undercover into Roman Catholic churches because they were supposedly domestic terrorists. And I hold you accountable for unleashing a special counsel with a history of botched investigations on our current president's political rival. The department of, under your leadership, I am sorry to say, and I am sorry to say, has become an enforcement arm of the Democratic National Committee. If there is a perceived threat to the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party, this DOJ attacks every single time. But when there are actionable threats against conservatives, this DOJ stays put. Protesters outside, violent protesters outside the Supreme Court, justices' home, unpunished. Attacks on pro-life centers, 
unpunished. The two-tiered system of justice is clear, and it's clear to the American public. And the buck stops with the man in charge. That man is you. The actions of the DOJ are on you. The decline of Americans' trust in our federal law enforcement is on you. The political weaponization of the DOJ is on you. That is fantastic. Now, the guy is a former Democrat. And notice he doesn't draw any attention from the depressed, defaced the nation, any of the major networks. Because they're not interested in what a former Democrat, now Republican, has to say about current Democrats. If his name were Adam Kingsinger and he was trashing McCarthy and Trump, obviously they'd be offering him a job on these networks. Or if his name was Liz Cheney, well, she'd be getting awards from the Kennedy's Foundation. But here he is. He flipped from a Democrat to a Republican. And by the way, one of the better Republicans, I might add. And listen to what he says. And they act like he doesn't exist. I know he exists. He represents a beautiful part of New Jersey. And he represents it well. And I just wanted to point this out. This gentleman had been elected as a Democrat to various state offices in New Jersey. He was elected to Congress as a Democrat. And then he said, wait a minute. What the hell am I doing? And he switched parties. He did the unthinkable. And so he gets the scarlet letter rather than any, in effect, a media ticker tape parade. But he was outstanding. Now, one of the questions I'm getting, I've done maybe already 30 interviews on this book, The Democrat Party Hates America, and I bring up this gentleman, Jeff Van Drew, for a reason. I really believe the more people who really understand what the Democrat Party stands for, including Democrats who aren't, you know, Zombies. Democrats who really aren't sure why they're Democrats. I really believe if they read this, they will distance themselves from that party. But one of the questions I'm getting a lot about is the Constitution and slavery. And so I really need to dig into this in the context of what Mr. Van Drew just said. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text data message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals Mark Levin. 
tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. I want to thank uh, President Trump for uh, very kind words. Kind words in person. Kind words in public. Posting the book. Linking to it. And I have to tell you, I'm kind of shocked right now. On the Drudge Report, Matt Drudge has prominently posted my book. And correctly so, that we've skyrocketed past the Elon Musk book. And I happen to like Elon Musk, by the way. Um, So credit where credit is due. And uh, he's treated the book, I think, the way it ought to be treated. But it is amazing, because he has nothing but contempt for Trump. So there's Trump promoting the book and there's Drudge who's promoting the book ladies and gentlemen honestly this book is written for you my hope is it will change things or begin the process of changing things but the repeated question I kept getting and so I want to address it nationally to a point I won't overdo it is something we talked about several months ago but look people come and go and memories fade and you've got other things to do What is it about this Constitution that the Democrat Party hates so thoroughly? Well, first of all, the Constitution, this Constitution was written to prevent tyranny and totalitarianism of the sort the Democrat Party promotes. And they lie about the Constitution. They lie about it. Former law professor Robert Nadelson now the Independent Institute, says, to begin with, the dominant view among the founders was that slavery was absolutely not fine. The prevailing view was that slavery violated natural law, that is, the Declaration, and was doomed to extinction. Indeed, by 1787, several states had begun the journey toward abolition. Nor did the Constitution create or mandate slavery or racial discrimination. These were creations of state law, and they varied from state to state. The founders were forced to accept that situation to prevent America from fracturing into a multitude of nations, constantly at war with each other, as in Europe. Also also false is the common claim that slaveholders adopted the Constitution. Of the public that ratified it, some states the public voted, only a small percentage owned slaves. Perhaps as many slaveholders opposed the Constitution as favored it. In at least five states, the ratifying electorate included free African Americans. Interesting how many of those who insist that all our history must be taught when promoting the non-historical CRT, I write, but refuse to do just that as they relentlessly smear our country. They perversely named American Constitution Society, whose president is former radical Wisconsin Democrat, Senator Russ Feingold, had a conference titled Founding Failures, Reckoning with Our Constitution's Generational Impacts on Health and Well-Being, which opened with this assertion, quote, Our Constitution's establishment of a racial caste system left a legacy that could be seen generations later in its impact on the health and well-being of communities of color. Exploitative scientific studies, inferior medical care, and discriminatory designed infrastructure and environmental policy have wreaked havoc 
on the bodies of black, indigenous, and Latinx Americans. Of course, the party directly responsible for slavery, segregation, and racism and their perpetuation is the Democrat Party, which the American Marxists are aligned with as members and advocates. For example, Bernie Sanders is a so-called Democratic Socialist, yet he caucuses with the Senate Democrats and has run more than once for the Democrat Party presidential nomination, nearly winning it. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is part of a group called Democratic Socialists of America, as are several House Democrats, but she associates with the Democrat Party. Old-time Marxist Francis Fox Piven still plays a major role in recruiting, training, and promoting fellow Marxists who work within the Democrat Party. And it goes on. Democrat Party is developed into the political home of the various American Marxist movements, which they agree and identify with. Hence, they are not so repulsed by America's past, or more accurately, the Democrat Party's past, as to forever condemn the Democrat Party and refuse any association with it. They're members of it. They ignore or downplay its links to the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, lynchings, etc., Instead, they target and blame the entire society and culture and country for the Democrat Party's contemptible past. To underscore the point, the American Marxists are supportive of the Democrat Party's modern-day promotion of economic socialism, cultural Marxism, and anti-Americanism generally. In truth, their contempt for the Constitution, its routine condemnation, not so much because of some of the framers' biographies, but because the Constitution's firewalls remain an impediment to, or at least slow, their revolutionary aims and the speed with which they seek to make them. Indeed, the birth of the Republican Party in 1854 occurred in response and opposition to efforts to expand slavery in the territories by the Democrats. Again, this proves the real intentions of the American Marxists, that is, History is not so much what drives them, or they would either be Republicans today or at least not associate with the Democrat Party. The revolution against Americanism and for economic socialism and cultural Marxism is their real motivation. Still, Marxist hypocrisy aside, there's certainly no excuse for slavery. Quote, everybody did it, which is mostly true, obviously does not make it right. But unfortunately, it's a historical fact. But it is beyond debate that it was not unique to the early days of certain American colonies in the United States. For example, Cornell professor of African history, Sandra Green, explains that not only was slavery common throughout the world, but in Africa as well. She writes, slavery in the United States ended in 1865, but in West Africa it was not legally ended until 1875. And then it stretched on unofficially until almost World War I in Africa. Slavery continued, she writes, because many people weren't aware that it had ended, similar to what happened in Texas after the U.S. Civil War. She says, while 11 to 12 million people are estimated to have been exported as slaves from West Africa during the years of the slave trade, millions more were retained in Africa. I'm quoting her. It's not something that many West African countries talk about, says Green, who's black herself. It's not exactly a proud moment because everyone now realizes that slavery is not acceptable. 
The broader point is that all cultures suffer from serious imperfections, I write. Some can acknowledge and effectively address them, reforming along the way, and others do not, or are less successful in doing so. The constant degrading of the American system, including the distortion of history, capitalism, and modern-day race relations, is a purposeful effort by the Democrat Party not to improve society, but to ruin and eradicate it. Like Robert Nadelson, assistant professor at Hillsdale College, Dr. David Azarod makes a good and succinct defense of the framers of the Constitution. He writes, the argument that the Constitution is racist suffers from one fatal flaw. The concept of race does not exist in the Constitution. Nowhere in the Constitution, or in the Declaration of Independence for that matter, he writes, are human beings classified according to race, skin color, ethnicity, sex, religion, or any other of the Democrat Party's favorite groupings. Our founding principles are actually colorblind. Although, he says, our history, regrettably, has not been. The Constitution speaks of people, citizens, persons, other persons. A euphemism for slaves and Indians. Not taxed, in which case it is their tax-exempt status and not their skin color that matters. The first reference to race and color occur in the 15th Amendment, and its guarantee of the right to vote, ratified in 1870. Azarad points out that the infamous three-fifths clause, we've talked about this, which more nonsense has been written about than any other clause, doesn't declare that a black person is worth 60% of a white person. It says that for purposes of determining the number of representatives for each state in the House and direct taxes. The government would count only three-fifths of the slaves, and not all of them, as the southern states, who wanted to gain more seats, had insisted. The southern states insisted that although blacks were property, but they should be counted as people for the purpose of assigning House seats, because they wanted more power in Congress. It was the North that said no. No, you only get three-fifths. The 60,000 or so free blacks in the North and the South were counted on par with whites. The Constitution defers to the states to determine who shall be eligible to vote. It is a little-known fact of American history that black citizens were voting in perhaps as many as 10 states at the time of the founding. The precise number is unclear, but only Georgia, South Carolina, and Virginia explicitly restricted suffrage to whites. Now, on July 5, 1852, Frederick Douglass, who escaped slavery, came to the North, was not educated in any school, was self-educated, an intellectual, a genius, a leader of the abolition movement, who eventually befriended Lincoln, although initially he was skeptical. Became close friends with Lincoln, who did more to help free the slaves, advance the cause of a colorblind society than any black person alive today who's teaching at any college or university or is on any cable show. In July 5, 1852, before the outbreak of the Civil War, Douglas 
gave a fierce speech condemning slavery and endorsing abolition. And in that speech, Douglas also strongly defended the Constitution of the United States and those who drafted it. Among other things, Douglas declared that those who replied to him by charging the framers of the Constitution for, quote, precisely what I have now denounced are, in fact, this is him, not me, guaranteed and sanctioned by the Constitution of the United States, that the right to hold and to hunt slaves is part of the Constitution framed by the illustrious fathers of this republic. But I differ from those who charge this baseness on the framers of the Constitution of the United States. It is a slander upon their memory. At least so I believe, fellow citizens, there is no matter in respect to which the people of the North have allowed themselves to be so ruinously imposed upon, and that of the pro-slavery character of the Constitution. In that instrument, I hold there is neither warrant, license, nor sanction of the hateful thing that is slavery, but interpret it as it ought to be interpreted, the Constitution is a glorious liberty document. Read its preamble. Consider its purposes. Is slavery among them? Is it at the gateway? Or is it in the temple? It is neither. While I do not intend to argue this question on the present occasion, let me ask. If it be not somewhat singular that if the Constitution were intended to be by its framers and adopters a slaveholding document, why neither slavery, slaveholding, nor slave can anywhere be found in it? What would be thought of an instrument drawn up, legally drawn up for the purpose of entitling the city of Rochester to a tract of land in which no mention of land was made. Now take the Constitution according to its plain reading, and I defy the presentation of a single pro-slavery clause in it. On the other hand, it'll be found to contain principles and purposes entirely hostile to the existence of slavery. They're pulling more statues down in New York City. One of them is George Washington, who was the president of the Constitutional Convention. And I point out if Douglas were alive today and made this statement on nearly any media platform or virtually any de- Democrat Party event, he'd be booed off the platform. In other words, he would be abused and smeared as Clarence Thomas is today. Now, there's much more in the book. But I wanted you to have a little tidbit of it, so at least you have a little general knowledge of how to push back. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's 
L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. I definitely want to get into this hearing today more deeply because uh, we have a rogue Department of Justice under a rogue Attorney General, and he he did his rope-a-dope thing. I don't believe he's running that department any more than I believe Biden's running the government. I believe it's Lisa Monaco, the Deputy Attorney General, who truly is a Marxist bomb thrower. And the other senior officials there who are of the Marxist mindset as well, there's simply no question about the extent and the depth of the corruption and the police state abuses of the Department of Justice and their prosecutors. There's simply no question about it. So we're going to get into this hearing more deeply. I mean, I've got a ton to discuss, but I'm not going to get to all of it. There's always tomorrow and the day after and the day, well, almost always. Uh, but the truth is what Mary Garland is doing to this country, what the Department of Injustice is doing, I'm seeing now that uh, there's a report out there, of course, leaked by the, the government, by Jack the Ripper Smith's office, that they now have an individual, they say, who has turned on Trump, the head of IT at Mar-a-Lago, who says he was told, if asked, about the boxes to play dumb, the movement of the boxes. So everybody's out there, including the legal analysts, and including the biggest analyst of them all, Chris Christie. Can you imagine, Mr. Producer? the sperm whale of the candidates, that this is open and shut evidence, witness tampering. Ladies and gentlemen, just because the prosecution leaks something doesn't make it true. Where the hell do we live anymore here? It's just unbelievable. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Cut number five, Mr. Producer. Merrick Garland's asked by Mike Johnson, outstanding member of the House, former head of the Republican, uh, another conservative group of Republicans there. Listen to this. Cut five. Go. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? Uh, I, don't re- I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question, but the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't recollect 
You don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son? I, I don't believe that I did. I promised the Senate when I came um, before it for confirmation that I would leave Mr. Weiss in place and that I would not interfere with his investigation. Okay, did you ever... I have kept that promise. All right. Cut six, go. Can you tell us about any briefings or discussions that you personally have had with Mr. Weiss regarding any and all federal investigations of Hunter Biden? I'm going to say again, I promised the Senate that I would not interfere with Mr. Weiss. So you have not... I'm just under oath today, your testimony is... You have not had any discussions with Mr. Weiss about this matter? Under oath, my testimony today is that I promised that the, uh, the Senate I would not um, intrude in his investigation. I do not intend to discuss deliber- internal Justice Department uh, deliberations, whether or not I had them. Oh, okay. So your, your testimony today is you're not going to tell us whether you've had discussions with Mr. Weiss. My testimony today is I told the committee that I would not interfere I made clear that Mr. Weiss would have the authority to bring cases that he thought were appropriate. Okay. Mr. Weiss's letter. Right. Okay, let me stop you. For, for a second time, sir. Are you aware that FBI officials have come before this committee and they have stated that there was a cumbersome bureaucratic process that Mr. Weiss had to go through to bring charges in another judicial district? You know that? I'm not aware, but that's not true. There's nothing cumbersome about the process. So those well, whistleblowers are lying to us under oath? They're, those whistleblowers are lying? I didn't say that. Their, their description of the process cumbersome is an opinion. It's not a fact question. Uh, so he doesn't know anything, but he does know it's not cumbersome. He knows when he wants to know. And by the way, it is not uh, an intrusion into the investigative process to answer a flat-out question whether you spoke to anybody at the Department of Justice about Hunter Biden and that investigation. That's not about interfering in the investigation that, uh, by, by members of the House or anybody else. That is a question that's easily answerable that he doesn't want to answer. That simple. Did you talk to anybody or not? Not that I recollect. And then it goes to, I told the Senate I wouldn't get involved. Then it goes to, I'm not going to discuss an investigation. I promised the Senate I would. What does any of this mean? And so this is all an attempt to sabotage Congress's right to oversee activities at the Department of Justice. That's all it is. That's exactly what it is. And as for this David Weiss, you can thank Bill Barr for David Weiss, despite all of his spin and the rest of the crap he's a u.s attorney in delaware as i've explained this multiple times a trump appointee they said as i've said repeatedly as somebody who understands this process and lived with it trump appoints all u.s attorneys during the course of his presidency it doesn't mean he's a trump guy Everybody damn well knows that all U.S. attorney appointments go through the office of then-Senator or Vice President or President Biden. He owns the state. He owns that city. Nobody gets a job without Joe saying so. And so he might be a Trump appointee. He could be a throwaway. You know, okay, that's not important. U.S. Attorney Wilmington, who cares? That's what he's thinking. 
But they have to keep saying that. And yet the man's actions demonstrate that here's the thing. On the one hand, Garland and his troops say, we don't report to Biden. We're America's Department of Justice, not for the Department of, of uh, uh, not for the Democrat Party and not for Biden. And yet the media keeps saying, oh, Weiss was a Trump appointee, as if he's doing Trump's bidding. Just damnable and stupid. And stupid. Thomas Massey. Really good. With Merrick Garland. Cut eight. Go. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. When this I is said, about many- Ray Epps. The infamous Ray Epps, who was charged with one misdemeanor, despite the fact that everybody sees him on video, encouraging people to charge into the Capitol building. And for some reason, the same Department of Justice, the same group of judges, that cabal in Washington, D.C., are putting people in prison, in prison, for a hell of a lot less, a misdemeanor charge for trespass for Mr. Epps. I haven't accused Mr. Epps of a damn thing on this program, but I want to invite him over the airways to come on the program if he and his lawyers are willing to do so. Come on the program. I mean, Chris Christie won't come on the program because he's a, he's a slob who will only go to certain places that slobber all over him. But, Mr. Epps, I haven't said a word about you to anybody. Not on the air. Not off the air. So you have no reason to hide from me, nor do your lawyers. You're slapped with a misdemeanor? Go ahead. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. When I said, how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol? Can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two been, years to find me. out. And hey. today, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video who's saying go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman Jordan. May I answer the question? I'm going to ask you one now. Uh, We'll let the gentleman. Yeah. Um, that, I, I, go ahead, but the, uh, in discovery in the cases um, that were filed with respect to January uh, 6, um, the Justice Department prosecutors provided whatever information they had about uh, the question that you're asking. Uh, with respect to Mr. Epps, the FBI has said that he was not an employee or informant of, of the uh, FBI. 
Mr. Um, Epps has been charged, um, and there's a proceeding, I believe, going on today on that subject. The charge is a joke. I yield to the chairman. Cut nine, go. Elon Musk was a Democrat who admittedly supported Biden, but then he became a critic of the administration and exposed the censorship regime. Now, per public reports, the DOJ has opened not one but two investigations of Elon Musk. Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, spent $400 million in 2020 tilting the elections secretly for Democrats. No investigations whatsoever. To the American public, these look like mafia tactics. You pay your money, we look the other way. You get in our way, we punish you. The American public sees what these tactics are. 100%. Well, it's more the same during the hearing. I'm not going to play any more for you. Uh, but it is really quite, uh, quite disgusting. And so I was on the Martha McCallum show uh, this afternoon. I want to thank her. She's a real journalist as far as I'm concerned. A little bit about the book, but she asked me about this testimony of the Attorney General today. And I will tell you, just to sum up and paraphrase, I said I was a Chief of Staff to an Attorney General, and these hearings were robust. That so many of the questions this man would not answer would have been answered by Attorney General Meese. And he had a firm grip on what was going on in his department. And then I went further. So I want to say it again to my friends on the House Judiciary Committee. Obviously, I haven't said it to them in private. I'm saying it to them in public. You need to issue a subpoena for all communications between the Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, between and among the Associate Attorney General, the head of the Criminal Division, the head of the Civil Rights Division, as well as others for all their communications related to these cases and related to Hunter Biden in particular. Emails, text messages, phone logs, schedules. When I was at the Department of Justice, we had fairly extensive schedules. They were put in writing, sent out by email, the subject of the various meetings. Again, when I was at the Department of Justice, we at least had a weekly all-hands-on deck meeting, and that would include all the heads of the different departments and divisions. It's time to go right for the top of the Department of Justice. They will claim that they cannot provide that information. They might even get the President of the United States to assert executive privilege over the communications. And they should raise it to the highest level now, have this constitutional battle, which is absolutely required, duke it out in the courts, and try and get the information. Because they're not going to get it from these hearings with this reprobate and the other reprobates that Biden appointed. They are not going to give the information. They'd rather leak it to the Washington Post and the New York Times, which is what they do. Now, one of the people who used to be a conservative Federalist Society member, used to have an honorable career, is George Conway. Really, his name should be George the Con, not so much Conway. And George has lost his way. 
George is all in, in my humble opinion. He's all in in the tyranny of the Department of Justice. He eggs them on. He finds this to be perfectly fine. The targeting of a former president, presidential candidate, with bogus allegations, using the most ridiculous laws. He knows the possibility for convictions on certain counts are very high because of the cities they're brought in and because of the nature of the juries. He knows this is a Stalinist, Stalinist production, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Cut 10, go. He, he just doesn't stop. This and, is Trump. He's talking that's about. That's why all of this happened. It just it all fits together. And, and you know, they, they, when we see, we see count 33 of the indictment and in, in, in the Mar-a-Lago indictment, which is the conspiracy to obstruct, they listed these things A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And they didn't put in the mall. They've got so much. Yeah. He's dead to rights and all this. There you go. Guy that wanted a job in the Trump Justice Department. He was turned down and he's been on a hate mission ever since. Obsessed, unhinged. As far as I'm concerned, not even a very good lawyer. He's muscled his way through over the years. But they love him now on MSNBC and CNN and airport radar and sonograms and wherever else he can show up. Because this is the road to fame. And this is George the Conway. Now, of course, there are a number of motions that can be filed in Florida, and I hope they are. A number of good motions that could be filed to address this, but George Conway, the Conway, the Conway, he will never describe them. He will never discuss them. They have this man dead to rights. Otherwise, they won't invite him back on MSLSD. But dead to rights are not. Again, I can tell you as a former chief of staff to Attorney General Meese, that case would never have been brought. There never would have been a criminal case. Period. Ed Meese would not have done this to the country. He would not have ever taken the criminal route for a search warrant, a SWAT team, against anybody. Like a Jimmy Carter and so forth. Never would have happened. There were also civil avenues that could have been pursued, but they chose not to. It's a complete setup job. Just like this January 6th case is with this judge. Now, I want to talk about this briefly, too. There's just so much to discuss. Judge Tanya Chunkin. As I pointed out two Sundays ago on Life, Liberty, and Levin, the case is overwhelming for her to recuse herself. Julie Kelly really laid out the facts, having gone through thousands of pages of open court comments by the judge, which are as outrageously uh, biased and partisan and political as one can imagine, more than I've ever seen before. And I read out loud during that program what the rules of professional conduct are for federal judges, and she violates them. But she's in charge of whether she steps aside. It can be appealed to a circuit court, but a circuit court in Washington, D.C., the majority there are Democrats. Because they expanded the court in Washington, D.C., and, and Obama populated it with bomb throwers. But here's what's interesting. 
I have never seen a case in my life, doesn't mean it's never happened, but it's very rare, where a party says to a judge, you should recuse yourself for all these reasons, they file their motion with their brief supporting it, and then the other side, the Department of Justice, they file a brief opposing the party seeking the recusal of the judge. I've never seen such a thing. I've never even heard of such a thing. So they're defending the judge to the judge against the defendant. Why are they doing that, Mr. Producer? Because they have the judge in their back pocket, and they know it. Ideologically, of course. I'll be right back. Mark in. Now, you know what company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk that also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Well, before we go to the break, we only have a minute here. Unfortunately, I do need to address this ex-Trump aide. What is her name? Cassidy Hutchison, Mr. Producer? Claims Rudy Giuliani groped her on January 6th. January 6th, 2021. Two and a half years ago. Why would you keep that information secret? Until you launch your book next week. Rudy Giuliani groped you, you claim, and yet you wait until your book comes out two and a half years later to mention it? I'm sorry, folks. Sorry. I'm not buying it. Now, you know what company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk that also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. 
Well, we already know uh, one of the five hold Republican holdouts who opposed an 8% cut in domestic spending, who opposed supporting military and vet spending, and opposed securing the border. The one of the five, Ken Buck, who's also opposed to an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. So these guys basically sold out to Washington. Uh, and uh, he's uh, looking for a job at CNN. So that's one of the five. Now we learn from our friend Byron Donalds that Matt Gates is desperately looking to run for governor of Florida. So he's trying to make a stand, get as much attention as he can, because that'll be a very crowded primary, I can tell you that right now, as a resident of Florida. And he wants to be viewed as Mr. Fiscal Responsibility. So he opposed the 8% cut in domestic spending, supporting the military and our vets, and hardening our security on the border, because that's the proposal that Byron Donalds and other conservatives came up with. But there's more. Matt Rosendale, Republican of Montana, and I don't mean this to be rude, but he strikes me as kind of the, the dumbest of the crowd, maybe. Uh, he's plotting to run for statewide office, too. This is all in Politico. Uh, against uh, John Tester. So he's looking to separate himself from other possible Republican opponents. I'm just showing you how all these guys have their personal ambitions. Their personal ambitions, and that is what they're putting in front of everything else. Ralph Norman, Republican of South Carolina. Let's see here, what do they say? But he's mulling a primary challenge to Lindsey Graham. So he's looking for attention to draw attention to himself. So it's not like any of these guys want to hang around in the House of Representatives, by the way. Then we have, what, do we, what else do we have here? A guy by the name of Bishop out of Virginia. He is uh, floating that he's looking to be an alternative candidate to the Speaker. So he wants to be Speaker of the House. And then we have Andy Biggs, who tried to do a knockout blow at a convention of states in Arizona. These are the five that we're supposed to follow down the yellow brick road. These aren't conservatives. You know, I don't know of any speaker in my lifetime, not a Republican speaker, none in my lifetime, who supported a bill that would cut domestic spending by 8%, for God's sakes. And it's just a start. Just a start. Who would support our military, support our veterans, and take affirmative steps to start to support the border and defend it. And keep in mind, Kevin McCarthy's up against Mitch McConnell and these lousy, lazy, good-for-nothing Senate Republicans with a few exceptions. And so people, I'm going to challenge him. We'll remove and replace him with what? 
And who? I know what's going on here. I know there are conservative think tanks in Washington, D.C. Not all, but some. That want to be the power brokers. This is how they raise their own money. This is how they make themselves, quote unquote, useful. I call out anyone I can see who, in my view, is not supporting constitutional conservatism and is not supporting we the people. But Mark, you support Kevin McCarthy. He's a rhino. He's a monarch. Really? And yet, he only has these five reprobates he's dealing with. The Freedom Caucus overwhelmingly backs this effort. Overwhelmingly. Chip Roy, dear friend. Certainly one of those who's the gold standard. Byron Donalds, have they suddenly flipped? Are they rhinos now? All these other guys are positioning themselves for other... For their jobs? Of course, the focus should be on Mitch McConnell and the pallbearers he surrounds himself with and the Republicans in the Senate. That's where the focus should be because they're making it impossible. If we pass a bill, ladies and gentlemen, that cuts spending 25%, that builds a border wall that is bigger, greater, wider than the Great Wall of China. If we do all those things, the Republicans joining the Democrats in the Senate are going to kill it anyway. So what's the point of this? Shouldn't our wrath be focused on the Senate leadership? Let me ask you a question, folks. If you're the Speaker of the House under these circumstances, what would you do? What would you do? In my 21 years behind this microphone and longer, when I served in the Reagan administration, I supported a number of government shutdowns. But Ronald Reagan wouldn't even support this. This has no purpose other other than to advance the career of these five guys. Where's Scott Perry? Scott Perry, who's a great guy out of Pennsylvania. One of the great leaders of the Freedom Caucus. He isn't thrown in with these five. Nobody's thrown in with these five. Oh, they're the true conservatives. No, they're not the true conservatives. They're not the true conservatives. And what's going to happen now is the Democrats are going to grab the ball. They'll get a few of these lousy, liberal, rhino Republicans to join them. Then we'll have a complete budget blowout. That's what's going to come. Of any government shutdown under these circumstances. I remember the government shutdowns under Reagan. He wanted his Trident missile system. They didn't put any money in there. But he wanted to destroy the Soviet Union. So he said, no, I'm shutting it down. You put that in that bill or you get nothing. That's not what we hear today. We don't hear that today. Okay, well, you know, I, I want the, the 12 bills have to come out at once. And then we got to... 
Do you even understand what they're talking about, America? Of course not. It's gibberish. You and I will support a government shutdown. We want these Republicans from time to time to fall on their swords. We got it. But this, this, and who are they going to replace him with? One of these knuckleheads of the five, he wants to be speaker. He's not going to be speaker. He can't even get the other members of the Freedom Caucus to support him. It's absolutely shocking to me. And then every damn one of them is positioning for something. Now we, you and I, we don't trust most politicians. Well, why would you trust these five? Because they're called the hardliners? The true believers? The real conservatives? No, they're not. They're exploiting the numbers. And the media want the American people to believe that these are the conservatives. These are the five true conservatives. And this is what happens when you're a conservative. They're not the conservatives. And this is not what happens when you support conservatives. When you support conservatives, they propose an 8% domestic spending cut. They support the military and they support the veterans. And they support doing something substantive and fast on the southern border. And by the way, Schumer's already said it's dead on arrival. You know why? Because he has Mitch McConnell in his back pocket. Because Mitch McConnell doesn't support it either. So these five are effectively doing the dirty work of Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans. They don't want this bill coming to the Senate that Byron Donalds has been involved in and other conservatives support. They don't want to see it in the Senate. Because they agree with blowing off the spending caps that were agreed to last May. These are the Senate Republicans. So McConnell, while he says we're rooting for the Speaker, he is thrilled with these five. Thrilled. Now are they the great conservatives? No, I don't think so. Not in the least. I'll be right back. Lovin. Now, you know what company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and a 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk that also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Now, pound 250 and say Mark Levin to make the switch to Pure Talk. And you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. 
Saudi Arabia, says the inbred prince. My buddy Brett Bear seems very intrigued by this guy. Prince uh, fell in the blank. Um, They said they're going to go nuclear if Iran goes nuclear. And under Biden, Iran may well go nuclear. And you see, this administration is going to leave paths of hell and fury for the future of this country. This is why I despise the George Conways of the world and his ilk. Bill Barr, who was a friend of mine, can't stand him anymore. I understand they hate Trump. I understand their personal reasons, professional reasons, whatever. But it's just like these five guys. Can't put that aside and look at the bigger picture, what's happening to the country. It, it is mind-boggling to me and to tens of millions of Americans. Mind-boggling. Now, that's not to say that there aren't good people running for president. I can think of one other, the others, sort of. I kind of like Tim Scott as a person. I'm not really sure where he stands on most of the issues. I think uh, Nikki Haley, it's hard for me to take her. I've tried. I really want to like her. I don't mean personally as a candidate. She has a very mixed record as a governor, very milk toast record as a governor. She made her, earned her spurs as the ambassador to the UN where she gave these very strong speeches. But nobody can explain her abortion position. She's all over the map and she says that's the position we should follow. No, that's okay. I'd rather not. Ron DeSantis is duking it out with Disney and she jumps in and says, we'll take Disney, come to our state and spend hundreds of millions of dollars and hire employees which shows you how unserious she is when it comes to the culture wars. She quotes the great Margaret Thatcher of what she's not. Talking about, you know, men talk, women act. Really? That's part of the problem with Nancy Pelosi, the way she acted. So I don't like that game either. I'm the only woman and I'm younger than everybody. Who cares? I could care less. When decisions are made about our country that have an effect on our kitchen table issues and on our national security and all the rest, I don't care what your genitalia is. I'm not voting for your genitalia. I'm not voting against your genitalia. This isn't about your genitalia. So it sounds as ridiculous as the Democrat. I'm just making a point. She's another one. She trashes DeSantis. DeSantis was the guy in the House of Representatives, all by his lonesome, who was pushing before anybody else to move the U.S. Embassy out of Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. He was the first. I don't remember Nikki Haley supporting that until DeSantis did, and then Trump actually did it. I'm just being honest. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the 
we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I started talking about this UAW situation a bit ago, and really nobody was willing to talk about it, and they all were slobbering and lining up behind the UAW boss. And yes, I make a distinction between the boss and the members. The bosses are typically political hacks. A lot of these unions have simply made promises to their members that they themselves cannot keep. Their pension funds run dry, which is why they ran to Daddy Biden, who took $36 billion a year money to put into a government pension insurance program. Didn't even get Congress's approval. He just did it. And so what the UAW boss and his ilk do is they then go back the next contract and they demand much, 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 much more money so they can actually put some of it back into these funds until they run them dry again. None of this is being reported by the media because they stink the media. Now, we haven't heard from GM's president, but he put some information out there on the public record for the Detroit free press that anybody can check, including you. And this is why there will not be a groundswell of Americans who are even sympathetic to unions or even other union members who are going to support the UAW. And we Americans already know that the price of automobiles are through the roof. New cars, used cars, pickup trucks, 18-wheelers, they're almost unaffordable to most people. And to deny that these labor contracts don't have some role in it is to lie. So this is Mark Royce, I guess he pronounces it, Detroit Free Press. You're free to check all of his comments. It was published this morning. Amid the rhetoric of the UAW leadership, the flow of misinformation is not fair to anybody. It can be hugely counterproductive to reaching an agreement that gets the GM team back to work quickly, which should be everyone's goal. The record offer we proposed on September 14 recognizes the many contributions our representative team members make to our company, past, present, and future. And it addresses directly what they've told us matters most, wage growth, job security, and long-term stability. He says, I'd like to take this opportunity to debunk some of the myths being shared out there, in other words, some of the lies by the UAW boss. UAW leadership claims GM pays its team members poverty wages. You also heard this from the Marxist Bernie Sanders. This is simply not true. 
In our current proposal, we are offering a 20% wage increase. How many of you are getting that? Including for temporary employees who make up only 6 to 10% of our workforce. What he's trying to say there is, it's not like we're hiring all these independent contractors and temporary employees to get around the contract. We only have a very small number of our employees who are temporary, and they're getting a huge increase too. He says that means about 85% of current representative employees would earn a base wage, a base wage of approximately $82,000 a year. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Is that a poverty wage? In contrast, the average median household income in nine areas where GM has major assembly plants is $51,821 compared to the $82,000. And total compensation for the 85% of the workforce with overtime and benefits, ready? would be more than $150,000 a year per employee. Their benefits are through the roof. Over time and all the rest. So the base is 82000 even before you get the benefits. When you add in the benefits and the overtime, $150,000 a year, over $150,000 a year. Now, can you imagine a 40% increase for a four-day week, work week, and even more benefits? That's what they're striking for. In the 2019 contract, wages for hourly workers with less than one year of service, earning $17 an hour, had the potential to reach $32.32 an hour over the term of the contract. With our most recent proposal, some entry-level team members will get up to a maximum rate of $39.24 an hour, 40 bucks an hour, at the end of the contract. For some workers, that's a 141% increase. Not good enough, says the UAW boss. We want more. says the fundamental reality is that the UAW's demands can be described in one word, untenable. We want to ensure our company succeeds, and more importantly, wins for the next 100 years for the benefit of everyone. And they go on with their electric vehicle propaganda, which of course is being imposed on the corporation by the Biden administration and the federal government. As for record profits... Those profits, he writes, are reinvested in our company and our people. In 2022, GM had net income profits of $9.9 billion. In 2023, our capital spending will be 11 to $12 billion. In other words, their profits, $10 billion. They're pouring that plus another $1 to $2 billion into capital spending in their company. Says that's not an aberration. Over the past 10 years... Our net income totaled $65 billion, and the amount we invested back into the company during the same period, $77 billion. Hmm. He says, I spent 22 years as an AFT union leader. And then they go on. He says, if we don't continue to invest, we will lose ground quickly. 
Our competitors across the country and around the world, most of whom are non-union, will waste no time seizing the opportunity we would be handing them. We currently offer 16 to 19 paid holidays per year and have authored the edition of Juneteenth. Paid holidays can vary due to an election year and where the Christmas holiday falls. Roughly 80% of representative team members, with the exception of temporary employees and new hires, receive three to five weeks of vacation per year based on seniority. You believe that, Mr. Producer? Three to five weeks of vacation per year based on seniority. In other words, whether you get three weeks or five weeks. And that doesn't include the 16 to 19 paid holidays. New hires, he says, receives one week of vacation in their first year and two weeks after the first year. GM's offer includes annual wage increases for new employees with progression to the full wage rate within four years. We have assembly and manufacturing jobs. We have warehousing jobs. We have supply jobs. And within these distinctly different businesses in our national contract, everyone is paid on the same wage structure. Our represented team receives extremely generous retirement benefits. Our latest offer to the UAW continues our unconditional 6.4% company 401k contribution for employees who are not eligible for pensions. An additional 2600 contribution each year is provided as an investment toward medical expenses in retirement, a 25% increase over today. Those retirement benefits grow to $1.7 million over a typical 33-year career when combined with our average employee contributions and historical investment returns in our plans. And he goes on. If these three... Automobile companies agree to the demands of the UAW boss. They will go broke. They will go broke. That's how stupid this is. Now, even what the corporations are proposing to the union bosses are going to drive up the cost of an American vehicle to almost unaffordable levels for most Americans who are now struggling to put food on the table, struggling with high-interest credit cards. And so when they hear about $150,000 for an employee, base wage of 82 plus all these benefits and so forth, let me, let me promise that if you're a so-called populist conservative, if you're afraid to talk about this and the real consequences for the vast majority of America's working class, as the Marxists like to call it, you're, uh, you're blanking up the wrong tree. Whether it's a corporation or a union boss. When you're ripping off the consumers, the vast majority of Americans, when you're using this, this contract as an opportunity to try and exploit the economy and the circumstances, the waitress down the road at the diner, the plumber, the electrician, the HVAC installer, the landscaper. You're not fooling anybody. Not anybody. And when you're, you're pushing up the costs of steel and aluminum and plastic, you are not fooling other union members either. 
There's no reason to stand shoulder to shoulder with this. And union bosses who are pushing this. This is destructive. Ultimately destructive of the UAW. Certainly destructive of Americans from all stripes, backgrounds, all parts of the country who are trying to make ends meet and need vehicles and need repair parts. You're not fooling anybody. There's nothing populist or popular about any of this. This is an old-fashioned shakedown. I don't have any investment in these companies. Less through my IRA or something like that, but I certainly have no direct investment or any investment that I know of. But this is an old-fashioned shakedown. You're not shaking down billionaires and millionaires. You're shaking down, quote-unquote, the little people. These people who are striking earn more than most of the people who buy these vehicles. They talk about fairness. Is that fair? No, I don't think so. And I don't give a damn what your CEO earns. If you want to put pressure on the shareholders to get rid of your CEO, then go for it. It has nothing to do with the punishment that you intend to mete out against hardworking Americans who hold different jobs, don't earn anything close to what you earn, and then going to make their lives even much more difficult. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right. Do we have any callers there, Mr. Producer? I know I uh, we have a full board. Okay, well, give me a couple of names. Give me one name. Let's start in. KBOR, Joseph, Colorado Springs, Colorado. I seem to recall the Air Force hangs around there. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Mark. I'm doing great. Read all your books. Got the new one Thank coming. You. Because of you, I've been given 25 bucks a month to a convention of states on my credit card, which is paid off every month, by the way, for the last three years. I've taken over 10 courses at Hillsdale College. So thank you. Thank you for what you, what, what you helped me grow up. Well, you're very, very kind. And uh, I want to thank you uh, for all your support. And I want to thank you for being an activist. So don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of the Democrat Party Hates America. Take care, but don't hang up. Next, Mr. Producer. St. Tall, Utah, Sirius Satellite. Woody, how are you? Hey, Mark, I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Good, good, thanks. Hey, uh, two things really quick. First, I discovered you when uh, I found the first ad about the I'm not getting a good uh, uh, audio here with the gentleman, Mr. Producer. Try again, sir. Say it again. Yep. Running out of time. There we go. We- so, two things really quickly. I, uh, for years, have been talking about Marxism and communism in America and the assault that it's had on the United States since essentially the foundation of the United States and the ratification of the Constitution. I first heard about you when I saw an ad for a book called American Marxism. And I thought, holy crap, somebody's actually calling it what it is. 
Um, exactly. So I yeah. want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for all the work that you do. And uh, this new book you've got coming out, Democratic Party Hates America. Oh, it's I out now. I got it on order. It's actually in my it's in my mailbox. It arrived today, so I can't wait to get home and... Well, get it out of there before it rains, you know. That'll ruin the book. But you're very, very kind. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. By the way, you got this stuff going on in Utah now. Romney's not running. you have any candidates in mind? Uh, yeah, Stag, I think is his name. Sounds really solid. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll see. We'll, We're going to have him back on the program in a few weeks, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just glad Romney's done. Now he's out there trashing Republicans, trashing... He's a nasty human being. I mean, the way he deceived so many of us when he was running for president. Uh, the guy is a complete, unprincipled chameleon. I wish I knew that earlier. Uh, just like his daddy was uh, when his daddy tried to destroy the campaign of Barry Goldwater, who was running for president at the time. This is how these reprobates are. The George Conways of the world, the... Uh, the Chris Christie's, the Chris Sununos, um, uh, the Bushies, and uh, and on and on and on. These these are these are people who put their own, uh, I guess, their own feelings and their own um, beliefs on how the Republican Party should continue to be in a constant state of passivity and defense. I would argue in front of the best interests of the nation. They just do, and they do it. Election after election after election. All right, my friend, don't hang up. We will send you a brand new signed copy of the Democrat Party Hates America. Now, look, if you've already purchased some copies and you get through and I give you a signed copy, keep the signed copy. Don't give it away because I can't give you another one. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. One more caller. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Hoboken, New Jersey. Anthony on the Mark Levin app, which is a good way to listen to the show, by the way. How are you, sir? Very good. Thanks for taking my call. Or as we like to say in Philadelphia, Anthony. The H is silent, you know, Anthony. Andy, see. Andy. Um, we spoke many times about the Southern Poverty Law Center. We had a few laughs back then, a few years ago. I'm a true conservative. I was with you with uh, Ted Cruz. I fell into that trap with Trump. I won't vote for him again, and here's why. I believe he's... In 20 seconds, I hate to tell you. What's that? Liberals, he, he get, he's compromised because he wants to pat liberals on the back. He gave us Christopher Ray, Bill Barr, Sessions. Mm -hmm. No, he's not perfect. You want to go through what Bush did? You want to go through what Nixon did? You want to go through what those Republicans did? Far superior. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Just a reminder, because it's getting late in the week, that on Saturday, I hope to meet so many of you at bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And we will start at 10 a.m., shaking hands, signing books, having a wonderful time. Those who've come to these events before know how fun they are, know that when they're done in the bookstore, they can go out and get some lunch, because Ridgewood is a fantastic town in New Jersey. So that's 8 a.m. this Saturday. I really hope you'll join us in Ridgewood, New Jersey at Bookends.
It's a fantastic independent bookstore. You know, some of these independent bookstores are so left-wing, they won't carry my books. Ridgewood does what bookstores are supposed to do. They carry everybody's books, especially mine. So I hope you will, you'll come by Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, again, 10 a.m. this Saturday morning. Now, the next day, Sunday afternoon, it'll take me a little bit of time and my family to get from New Jersey to Virginia. We're going to go to another haunt that we love, the Barnes & Noble at Tyson's Corner Mall in McLean, Virginia. Easy access to its very large Barnes & Noble. They, too, have wonderful restaurants, both in the mall and outside the mall. It's very comfortable. And, uh, again, at both events, people will meet many times for the first time and make lifelong acquaintances. It's just a fantastic thing where people who love the country, believe in the country, are concerned about what's happening in the country. We all get together. These are really our national town hall meetings. And later in October, the Reagan Library, I'll talk more about that later. Most of that is sold out, but you can still purchase a book to get in line and to say hi and to meet people. And, of course, I'd love to meet you as well. We'll be flying all the way out there uh, later in October. But I just want to focus on this weekend right now. That's it. Those are the three signings. There are no more. Certainly no more that I plan to do. And, um, and I want to thank you. I want to thank all of you. Who, number one, care about the country? Look, I know there's different types of radio hosts. There's different types of radio shows. There's different types of radio stations. But you folks seek me out. Some of you listen on the old AM or FM bands. And my affiliates and I are very grateful for that. We have a massive listenership through a podcast. And our podcast is not a new program. It's the same program. Um, and we have millions and millions of people who listen on the podcast. Then we have streaming. We have the Mark Levin app, the iHeartRadio app. We have millions more who prefer that. So there's, I count at least seven ways to listen to this program, and all of them are available to you very easily and for free. So when some people say, well, you know, the ratings, I'm the ratings king. Yeah, I got it. You're also nowhere to be found in podcasts or online or anywhere else. I got it. My attitude is this. I want to be on as many platforms as possible. This is a radio program. So we want to be in your cars. We want to be available on AM and FM. Some people swear by podcasts. Some people put a laptop on and they're doing their work and they want to hear to the live, listen to the live stream or they want to download the app on their, on their cell phones and so forth. I want us to be the most easily accessed program because it's you, the audience. However you're listening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it's you that I'm trying to accommodate in every way I possibly can. So we give a little here, we take a little there. When it comes to the numbers, I don't really care. It doesn't matter. But I want to thank you all. That's number one. Number two, I want to thank all of you who participate in Blaze TV, our digital TV network. 
which was a combination of Conservative Review TV, which I co-founded. And then we, we made a purchase or an alliance or partnership with Blaze TV and the great Glenn Beck. We combined our resources and our platforms, and we are just doing fabulous. Thanks to you. That is purely subscription-based. And, again, we have to serve your interests, not mine and not ours. Otherwise, you'll stop subscribing and the whole platform will collapse. Number three, I want to thank all of you who have set your DVRs to record now for Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and all the other times on Saturday. And, of course, Sunday. Same time, same place. The reason Fox expanded the program from just Sunday night to Sunday and Saturday night is because of you. Because you wanted at least two more of these programs. Honest to God, I resisted for three months. I've got a pretty full plate. But then I relented. I got to thinking. Life is short. Careers have a, have a limit. The country's in deep, deep trouble. So if I can contribute to this, I will contribute to this. And so I, honestly, I relented. I agreed, and now I'm all in. When I agree to do something, I go all in. And so I hope you'll find us on Saturday night. I hope it'll become as familiar to you as Sunday night. It's same place, same time, different days. Same format, different guests. Saturday is not the Sunday show. Sunday is not a regurgitation of the Saturday show. I mean, our inaugural show, we had Thomas Saul and Victor Davis Hanson. It doesn't get any smarter on TV than that. So I want to thank you for that. And then finally, I want to thank you, those of you who acquire these books that I write, and even more, those of you who read them whether you acquire them personally or not. The Democrat Party hates America. Those of you who've listened to any of these interviews I've done, and there'll be a few more, and that's it. You'll know in the reviews you've read that are online, if you've read them, that this is the most compelling book I've ever written. That's why it's the longest book I've ever written. It's the most involved book that I've ever written. It truly is bulletproof from our critics. They don't know what to do about it, so they're ignoring it as I speak. They pretend it doesn't exist. Thanks to you, we blew past what was the number one book in the country, written about Elon Musk by Walter Isaacson, who is a left-wing historian who gives advice to Joe Biden. We blew past it. And we won't blow past all of them. Again, these books have a shelf life. There's a number of books coming out next week that are all gossip books. Another hit job on Fox News and the Murdochs. What's that? Book number 1000? Written by a left-wing so-called journalist by the name of Wolf. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. But this is how they make their money with these kind of hit-and-run books, in my humble opinion. And then there's another book coming out by, isn't it that Cassidy Hutchison, Mr. Producer? I believe it's next week. 
where her allegations are now all over the news because they give them to the news outlets in order to heat up interest in the book where she's making an allegation against Rudy Giuliani. And so these are the kinds of books that are out there that sell a lot. They're all forgotten about within two months, but they're hyped. They're hyped by CNN and MSNBC. They're hyped by the New York Times and the Washington Post. They're hyped by the Sunday shows, Meet the Press and Face the Nation, and I don't remember all their names. And it's a constant hype. They're even hyped in newspapers like our friends at the New York Post. While this book is ignored. Because you and I have a special relationship. We trust each other. And we know why we're doing what we're doing. Other TV and radio hosts, some understand, but most do not. Maybe they've been in sports their whole life. Maybe they've been in 10 different stations. Flashes in the pan. It's okay. I do things differently. I always have. I don't just follow the rest of them. I don't even know what the rest of them are doing. So I want to thank those of you who pre-ordered. I want to thank those of you who ordered yesterday when the book was released. Those of you who are ordering today. I can see the sales. We now have 110,000 hardcover copies of the book sold. Not even counting the other platforms for the book. It's only been out for two days. And it's available in all these retail stores, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Sam's Club, BJ's, Target, yes. Costco has has a very significant supply. Our brothers and sisters, our friends at Barnes & Noble. And of course, Amazon, which has a significant number of copies to send you immediately. So they're available for you. Nobody is hiding them. They're out there. You're just too powerful. You are way too powerful. There's too many of you. And they don't want to tick you off. They don't want to tick you off. And I want to thank all of you. The army of patriots out there. None of this is possible without you. And I want to tell people who keep saying the same thing, these critics, that I do this for the money. I don't write books for money. It takes too much of a toll on my family. When I have to spend weekend after weekend, night after night, early morning after morning, and the holidays, researching and writing a book. I'm going to be a fairly wealthy person whether I write another book or not. whether I do another TV show or not, whether I do Blaze, whether I do radio, it's not about money. I wish somehow I could get that through the heads of some of these critics, the phony conservatives and the leftists, but I can't, so I'm going to stop trying. I even have one person who's trying to get me to retire. Yes, Mr. Producer. I shall not mention that person's name, but I'm not ready to retire. There's a country for you and me to save. 
And as long as I'm able to do this, I can't do it forever. I hope we can join together and keep this up because one day I won't be doing this by hook or by crook. So now's the time if we're to do this together. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, isn't that interesting? Uh, it looks like California is going to lose in the next round of congressional seats in the distribution through the census up to five congressional seats, Mr. Perdue. Now, they lost one last time. And it's a damn shame. What I think is the most beautiful state in the nation, maybe not today, but it certainly was. And look, I'm not a Californian. I'm just telling you with some of the most beautiful cities in the nation, like San Francisco, it's been destroyed. You know, they used to say, Brandeis said, that the states are um, laboratories for experimentation. Well, California is a laboratory for experimentation. Radical Democrat Marxist experimentation, one-party monopoly rule, and it's destroyed. Nobody goes to California to open a business anymore. They leave. Everybody used to want to go to California, the land of opportunity. And this guy, Gavin Newsom, thinks he's presidential material. Why? Because he puts all that grease in his hair? Why? Because he's copied Bill Clinton's motions? Guy's a dunce. He's destroyed California, but now he thinks he's presidential material. And trust me, so do a lot of Democrats. So do some Republicans. That's how imbecilic things have become. So they've lost five congressional seats on average. It's about 800,000 citizens per congressional seat. That's four million people. Even when you add in all the illegal aliens and aliens that have come into California, they have a net loss of four million people, the vast majority of whom, I'm sure, are Republicans or some, cons- or some Democrats who bump their heads and decided they needed to get out of there. So very, very productive people have left that state and taken billions of dollars in economic wealth with them. That's America if the Democrats take control. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters and emergency personnel, our truckers, freedom fighters in Ukraine, that's right, and Taiwan and all over the world. And I want to thank you folks. God bless each and every one of you. See you tomorrow.